Um, well, welcome everyone. Uh, my name again is Bill Fabian, Monroe Infrared Technology. Um, I welcome to you know, welcome you to my presentation. Uh, we're going to talk for the next hour and hour and a half, hour and forty minutes on is our infrared cameras right for my business? Uh, what can an infrared camera do? How is it used? Uh, so I've been thinking a lot about this over the last few days. You know, I wanted to make sure that everything was in this presentation to make sure that infrared imaging cameras, you know, to answer that question, is it right for me? And I'm gonna say this multiple times as I do in my training classes, I can't think of a reason not to add infrared as you're gonna see over the next hour and a half to hour and 40 minutes. We will try, like Brenda said, we will be doing um questions at any time so um i've got the little chat window going on um so anyway let's uh give you a quick background i'm not going to talk about me for the next half hour but you need to know who we are and what we do so monroe infrared technology um it's in our name it's what we do we're infrared um we are located in um, headquartered in brunswick maine uh, we're a small veteran-owned company. Uh, I think we have 10, 11 people. Um, headquartered in Brunswick, Maine. I live in Shelby Township, Michigan, um, but we have locations. We have guys in Florida, Rhode Island, uh, Maine, uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and so we do everything with infrared. Um, so whatever your needs are for infrared. Uh, I started teaching the CRT class seven and a half years ago. Um, and it is a class designed specifically for home inspectors. So we are a dealer and a distributor for FLIR. We are, you know, as you know, uh, you're well aware, but if not, um, so we sell the handheld cameras from $400 for the FLIR One Pro to $40,000 for the T1020. So, uh, and the home inspector market is 90, better than 90% of what I've been doing for 10 years. Um, we have infrared cameras, we have all the meters, uh, thermal drones, um, and we provide all levels of training. Uh, level one, level two, and level three, level three through the infrared training center. Um, my two-day CRT class, the Certified Residential Thermographer class, which is designed specifically for home inspectors, is uh, probably, like I said, 90% of what I've been doing. I've done this year alone 14 classes since uh, the end of April uh, using Zoom uh, and sold out almost every class. I've been, you know, we partnered with uh, InterNACHI years ago uh, to come to uh, the House of Horrors in, in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, what a great facility and a great training environment there, as well as in Western Florida. And I'm looking forward to getting back to somewhat normal. Uh, I often was asked many times over the years, when are you going to do your training online? And I said, never. Well, never arrived uh, back in March. So um, it was adapt, uh, change, or die. So um, Reluctantly, I got into Zoom and uh, the feedback I'm getting has been tremendous. I mean, I, um, I, you know, many ways, I think it's better than an attending class. You know, you can come in your pajamas if you want, but uh, um, screen sharing and all of the capabilities. So um, 
however we can help you. And we do have six guys that all they do is travel the country doing infrared inspections, um, industrial, commercial, electrical. That's how I got started. Um, and actually it was 34 years ago, this coming December, I bought my first infrared camera. And um, I started in the industrial, commercial, electrical and quickly moved into home energy analysis. Um, over the years I've done, I couldn't even think to count how many electrical panels, hundreds of thousands, because we averaged 120 to 140 uh, panels a day, um, hundreds of millions of square feet of flat roof, uh, flying helicopters, transmission distribution lines. Um, anyway, whatever we can help you with, we're, uh, we're here to help. Uh, lots of infrared inspections. First training class I taught was uh, over 25, almost 30 years ago. And uh, I enjoy sharing my experiences with you guys. So um, I'll make a couple claims and a couple statements multiple times through here. And one of them is, and people say, well, you sell infrared cameras. Why would you say something like that? If you're thinking of buying an infrared camera and not going to training, not getting the proper training to learn, you're making a mistake. Don't, don't bother buying the infrared camera because buying an infrared camera without the proper training is dangerous, as you're gonna see and we'll talk about. Um, some of the pushback, how hard is it to take a picture? You know, if it were just about only taking the picture, we'd be done in 20 minutes. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll get into this more of this. For home inspections, uh, the infrared camera can be used. I mean, obviously, you know, it's not part of the standards of practice, not something you have to do started out as an ancillary service years ago. Um, and I was approached, oh, about nine years ago, eight years ago. And, you know, cameras were getting more affordable. Home inspectors were starting to buy infrared cameras. And the only training that was available was a level one. Four days, $2,000. That's, you know, and... Anyway, the gentleman that came to me, he'd been a level one for 10 years prior to that. And he said, home inspectors don't wanna sit for four days and learn about things that will never use the infrared camera. So I spent the next seven months designing and developing the CRT class, the Certified Residential Thermographer class, specifically for home inspectors. So it's the level one basic science. Uh, we don't go in deep. We don't go into measuring emissivity and all of that, but um, if you have attended it, thank you for coming. Uh, if you haven't attended it, it's worth every penny and more than you're going to ever pay. Um, the Zoom class is 495 bucks. Uh, InterNACHI does uh, offer a discounted price on that. So please, uh, anyway, we'll talk more about that. Um, you know, the first home inspectors that I talked to 10 years ago about using infrared cameras, they said, oh yeah, I use the infrared camera and I, uh, I look in the refrigerator and, I, you know, I look at the electrical panel. I said, you do? What do you report? Oh, if I find any breakers warmer than another breaker, I write it up. And I said, what do you tell them to do? Um, well, call an electrician. They need to evaluate that further. You need to know what things are supposed to look like and what they're not supposed to look like. You don't have to use an infrared camera. So some of the, some of the slides that, you know, we've, we've, we talk about um, 
and why home and homeowners, your new customers or the up and coming or your millennials, why they love infrared is because it's show and tell. It's pictures and people love pictures. Um, and when you can, you know, when you can show them thermal images of what's going on in the house, it adds value to your inspection. You know, I know the, the um, as we started out saying that the, you know, the title is this, is infrared imaging right for your business. I don't know how it's not. Um, and I can, through experience from past home inspectors and past clients that have gone through my class, they come out and they go, they took the infrared camera and they took the training they got from me and they started doing the inspection and the things they started to find, they come back to me months later and say, I don't know how I ever did a home inspection without an infrared camera. Um, I'm not giving the client at this point an option as to whether it's not gonna be an ancillary add-on service, I'm doing the infrared on every inspection. There, you're seeing so much. You know, you're standing on the ground and you're looking in the upper left that image, that image you see of the, the electric feed to a house. Now, don't, don't pay attention to the pictures, or the temperatures rather, just look at the shade differences on the pictures. And you can notice that that one connection is hotter. How do I know that's a connection problem and not a load issue? That's what we cover in the class, but I'll tell you right now, because that connection shows hotter, and as we travel the wire away from that connection, the wire cools down, that's called a thermal gradient. And we can follow if that thermal gradient, we often analyze that thermal gradient to tell us what kind of issue we have or thermal anomaly. And it's pointing, those two are pointing to the hotspot. The connection is right there is the problem and it needs to be documented, it needs to be written up. So there are so many things as you're going to see through the course of the next hour and a half that an infrared camera can be used on. I don't know how you don't use an infrared camera, but that it is your decision. Um, it's a great way to make a whole lot more money. Um, I can tell you first off, um, I had the one guy say, you know, come back and say, I'm doing it on every inspection. I'm not giving them the option. I said, how much more are you charging? Well, I don't charge anything more. I said, what? Well, I am, you know, I did increase my prices. And over the last year, I went up 50 bucks. I said, that's not very much. He said, no, but we're busy. We're doing 10 inspections a week at 50 bucks each. That's $500 a week more in revenue times 50 weeks. That's $25,000 a year more for a $2,500 camera, a $3,500 camera in training. So I'm telling you that the CRT class, along with a good infrared camera, is a great way to do a much more thorough inspection, to earn more revenue, and to differentiate yourself uh, from those that aren't using infrared cameras. Um, you know, some guys charge uh, just an, as an ancillary service, they'll charge $95 or $75 or $150 to bring it out of the car to come into the house. Um, and I had one, one guy tell me that he bought eight infrared cameras from us. And, you know, I flew out and did the training for two days. And thank you, by the way, Dave. Uh, and, you know, his add-on fee was 95 bucks. He got his $20,000 back in 90 days. And ever since four and a half years ago, uh, it's been profits. So 
it, it's worth the investment. It's worth the investment to see what you can get back. Um, but what the infrared camera can see, when we go into a house and we start doing this inspection, we're looking at the walls for thermal anomalies and the floors and the ceilings. And these are some of the examples of the stuff that home, home inspectors are finding. Electrical connections in the upper left. That's a bee's nest in the top behind the fascia board. Now they've removed the fascia board and that thermal image is not, you know, it's not x-ray, okay? So we're not looking through the wood. We're looking directly at the beehive. Water temperatures. Now you guys have been using temperature guns or thermometers and infrared cameras are so much more accurate than a temperature gun. By the way, there is no such thing as a temperature gun. It's called a spot radiometer. But, you know, infrared cameras have a much finer temperature measurement. Um, in the middle left, the grayscale image, you're looking at uh, energy performance on a house. And, you know, what's insulated, what's not insulated. Um, oh, I, I forgot, you know, I, I blew right by that guy. Anyway, he got his, not his 20 grand back, okay? And all he was offering was energy and water. In the lower left, that, or in the, you know, that's an image of a roof leak where water has come down onto the drywall. There is so many applications for infrared, missing insulation, uh, water infiltration, electrical, you know, um, the bottom right is a real obscure one. On uh, the window next door, on the house next door, the sun was reflecting that heat from the sun and melted the vinyl siding on the north side of a home here in the Detroit area. So there are so many things that you can see with an infrared camera. As we said, I'll just quickly go through a little bit more. Um, 34 years, I'm an ITC, which is the Infrared Training Center. Uh, I'm an instructor for them. I'm a level three, I teach level one and level two and five different two-day classes. Uh, but the one I regularly schedule is the certified residential thermographer, um, a two-day course for home inspectors. Um, I still go out and get dirty. I still go do inspections, industrial, commercial, uh, residential. I was just out uh, a week before last and looked at a, um, a car wash here in, in the Metro Detroit area for the in-slab radiant heat. Um, they were gonna change over from a pump quarters in it and do it yourself to a drive-through. And they're gonna mount this rig and they got to drill into the concrete slab and mount this metal framework to the floor, but they need to know where those lines are so they don't drill through. There's, there's all kinds of things you can do with infrared. Um, I live in Shelby, I already told you, I live in Shelby Township, Michigan, married for 33 years, five kids, yeah, you don't need to know that. Um, the cameras range anywhere from, as I said, $400 for FLIR 1 Pro. The C2 and C3 have been discontinued. Um, they were replaced in June by the C5. Um, this is the C5. Um, if you want to see more, by the way, I'm going to be doing the, the exhibitor, the vendor thing, uh, immediately following this session, starting at 11.45. I think it starts at 12, but I'm going to open it up right when we're done. So if you're ready, you can come in. But the C5 is a, a pocket-sized camera that fits in your pocket. 
Um, the C5 had four, now has four times the resolution that the C2 and the C3 did and much better thermal sensitivity. So there's cameras for you know $700 for the C5, uh, $2,000 for the E6, $3,000 for the E8, $5,000 for now the E76 or the E56, 54. Uh, they, it's hard to keep track. E54, 76, 86, 96. The home inspectors in general are buying infrared cameras priced from realistically that $700 for the C5 up to $10,000. Majority of them, the three or two or $3,000 E6 or E8 is probably 80% of uh, home inspectors are buying those cameras. And that's a good camera that should last you eight to 10 years um, with proper maintenance, proper care. And I tell every one of people in my class, you treat this infrared camera like a piece of test equipment, it should last a good long time. You treat it like a hammer and eventually that's all it's gonna be good for. So um, you gotta learn how to treat this equipment properly. It's not a hammer and a screwdriver that you leave in your trunk of your car over the weekend. Um, anyway, uh, the E6 is typically my minimum. If when people just corner me and say, what is your minimum recommendation? I always tell them the E6 is and it's not just my recommendation, it's historical data from home inspectors that come back and say, you know, people that buy the C2 or have bought the C2 or the C3 or the E4 or the E5, they come back three months, six months later, a year later and say, I love infrared. I wish I had bought a camera with more resolution and, and better thermal sensitivity. And then the guys that bought the E6 or the E8 or something better, they'll come back and they'll say, I love my E6. This is all I'll ever need for home inspections. So talk to the other uh, home inspectors that are doing it and talk to people that don't sell infrared cameras. They'll tell you to buy as much infrared camera as you can afford to buy. But talk to me and I'll, I'll tell you, you know, based on what you're going to do with the infrared camera, the applications really dictate what camera will do the best job for you. Do I need a $10,000 E95 or E96 now to do home inspections inside the house? No. Can I? Sure. Is it more than I need? Maybe. Um, but that's a camera I can then take outside and do substations and do stucco third story and you know all, all of this other application. So you tell me what you're going to use the camera on and, and I'll tell you what camera is the best choice for you. These are some actual statements that I've heard from home inspectors over the years. Um, I'm not getting into that infrared thing. I've heard, I've heard it'll increase my liability. The guy that buys an infrared camera, and the problem with our industry, and I'm talking about infrared, is there's no government agency that says, if you buy an infrared camera, you must get any training. Um, the guy that buys an infrared camera doesn't get any training, it will. It probably will increase his liability because he's going to misinterpret what he's looking at. Buying an infrared camera without getting the proper training is dangerous. Um, and it can lead to making false statements. And here's a couple of examples. I had a guy, you know, over the last two or three years, you know, you've heard the horror stories. The home inspector called out, everything behind the drywall is wet. And they tear down the drywall and it's perfectly dry back there. Or 
another guy from one of my past classes called me and said, um, did infrared, did, did uh, clear come out with cameras that say it's wet? And I said, uh, no. And he said, well, got a contractor who said that the, a home inspector using an infrared camera um, called out that all the subfloor under the vinyl flooring is wet. They, he's there on site right now. He's torn up the vinyl and the subfloor is dry. It's who's in both of those instances, who's paying to put that wall back together, put that vinyl flooring back on. You've got to learn how to interpret. You've got to, everything we do with an infrared camera is condition based. So you've got to know when you pull up in front of the house to do an inspection, do I have the right conditions to say anything about energy performance? Um, what do I need to do to properly inspect the electrical panel or water temperatures or water ingress? When's the last time it rained? This is why it's so important to, to, to understand um, the conditions needed to properly do the inspection. The fact is, as you see in fact number two, that the insurance carriers out there love the fact that you guys are starting to use infrared cameras because it's proven that home inspectors that use an infrared camera with the proper training are doing a more thorough inspection and their incidence of claims against their liability insurance is lower than those home inspectors that don't use infrared at all. So what are you waiting for? I guess is my point, but um, wait till you see. So as I've said multiple times, doing using a good infrared camera means you're doing a more thorough inspection and doing it and buying the camera, but not getting the training is a huge mistake. Um, and it'll allow you to make more money doing it. You know, I had a guy from Wisconsin tell me, yeah, I'm not gonna be able to charge any more for it. It's gonna separate me from those home inspectors that don't do it. Um, so give me a call. Anyway, I'll post up at the end of this, you'll have my phone number, my cell phone number, um, and email and all that. You can call me anytime. We got any chats going on? Uh, do you know of any government contracts involving infrared? Yes. Um, actually, we have uh, our, our East Coast office, our headquarters out in Maine. Uh, they monitor all of the government sites. And um, we are a small business government approved uh, SBA, small business administration, you know. So veteran owned small business. So it kind of gets us one more little niche up there. But yes, um, we've flown military bases. We, and I will tell you that if you're gonna do government contracts, uh, military especially, or nuclear power plants, those are the people that require the level one or the level two or the level three. There's no government agency that says if you buy an infrared camera, you have to get any training. It's typically the client's requirement on purchase orders that we get to do the inspections. Duke Energy had a, an energy uh, follow-up inspection that I had to go fly into Virginia's to do because they hadn't done the insulation inspection during construction. And I went out with the infrared to, to verify that the insulation was performing as it was designed to perform. So yes, there are a lot of government contracts to do the inspections. Um, your um, utility companies are getting into a lot of energy audits where they might subsidize um, 
you know. So I've, I've often been asked, you know, what what's a good, how much should I charge? Well, how much can you get? Where are you? How far you got to go? New York City costs versus, you know, uh, Shelby Township, Michigan costs is a huge difference. You know, go anywhere in New York City and it's going to take you two hours to get there, minimum. Um, you know, so yeah, you're going to pay more in New York City, but here in Shelby Township, I don't visit for less than 350 bucks. So um, there's a lot, you know, and that's for an hour. Um, anyway, um, I'll go on. Does your company include training with any camera purchases? Well, sure. Any of the cameras come with uh, uh, FLIRS training on um, how to handle the equipment, how to modify the equipment. Anybody that buys uh, an infrared camera um, also qualifies for a big a discount on the two-day class. So, um, but anyway, let's move on. The number one application for home inspectors um, is finding hidden moisture. Without a doubt, um, being able to see plumbing leaks, whether you're in Portland, Maine, Portland, Oregon, Miami, San Diego, Las Vegas, it doesn't matter. Um, everybody's got plumbing today and plumbing eventually leaks. So you have shower pan leaks, you have plumbing, you have uh, bathtubs and drain lines and flashing materials and you got all kinds of things. Um, there's number one, finding that hidden moisture that you will otherwise not see. Now, I know you're all using, hang on, let me grab it. You guys are all using moisture meters. Um, but the fact is, you're not sliding that moisture meter on every square inch of the walls, ceilings, floors, and everywhere. You know, um, you're putting it on stains to verify that yes, that stain is wet or that stain's not wet at the time of the inspection. But that's why infrared and moisture meters go together because the infrared camera can identify that thermal anomaly. And that's, as we teach in class, that's all an infrared camera can do. An infrared camera finds a thermal difference. And that's the only thing a camera sees is a thermal difference in surfaces. That thermal difference, and by the way, infrared cameras are not x-ray machines, popular or contrary to popular opinion. You know, contrary to Hobbs and Shaw, the movie, where Dwayne the Rock Johnson is using an infrared camera and holds it up to that red door and he can see people on the other side. That's not the real world. If you haven't used an infrared camera, you need to know the limitations and the capabilities. Infrared cameras don't see through anything a house is made out of. They see surface temperature differentials. Those temperature differentials in that surface can be caused by water, energy issues, electrical issues, raccoons, all kinds of things as you're going to see. Number one is finding hidden moisture. Number two is probably uh, missing insulation from energy performance. Uh, electrical hotspots is probably number three. And I, I had a gentleman come through a class in, uh, I think, April or May, and he'd been doing, you know, he was recertifying. Um, but he said, can I, can I make a statement to everyone? And I said, sure. He said, I'm, 
I've been doing infrared for three or four years. If you're getting into infrared, you're going to be using infrared. If you don't look at anything else, look at their electrical panel with the infrared. And he, he expanded on that and he said, he has, and again, in 34 years of doing this, I have never found an electrical hotspot as hot as he found in Florida. Um, this was a, a dryer, an electric dryer connection on the side of a breaker that measured almost 1500 degrees Fahrenheit. It was glowing cherry red. The homeowner, the dryer owner, the owner of the building knew there was a problem because every time they use that dryer, that breaker tripped and they just kept resetting it, resetting it. Eventually that thing is going to cause a fire. And when John Bolton, friend of mine, posted on social media uh, about this find and Brad Scott found it, another life saved because it's, it was only a matter of time before that arced and flashed and, and burned that, you know, possibly burned that house down. So. There is so much infestation, ants, termites, bees, vermin, appliances, water heater. It's incredible what you can do with it. As I said, you've got to learn some of the conditions. Now, I'm not going to stand here for an hour and 40 minutes and sell you the whole time. I want to give you some training. I want you to get something out of this that you can take if you've got a camera, but you haven't been to training yet. It, it'll help you on your very next inspection. And number one, we don't see through anything, as I've already said. We don't see through glass. We don't see through water. So if it's raining outside, there's no sense looking at the outside of that house with an infrared camera, because all you're gonna see is the water running down the outside of the house. We don't visually, and that's the problem, is understanding the difference between the visual wavelengths and the infrared wavelengths is so important. Visually, we can see through the water. Infrared, doesn't that wavelength that the infrared camera operates in that wavelength does not transmit or pass through we don't see through water so yes infrared cameras work great for going deer hunting and i'm looking forward to that here in michigan next month uh, they don't work with a darn to go fishing you can be sitting in your boat and you look over the edge of the boat and you can with your eyes see the fish three feet down with the infrared camera the only thing you're seeing is the surface temperature differences in the water. We don't see into the water. We don't see air. We don't see air movement. We cannot measure air temperature. Yet I see guys all the time taking their temperature guns or their spot radiometers and pointing them at registers. You gotta be aware of the spot size. That laser has nothing to do with temperature measurement. That little red dot, that is a pointer and it's telling you approximate center of the area that you're averaging. I have one right here that's a, and it's terrible, and that's why I bring it because it's a cheaper one. It's, you know, it's a, um, I don't know, it's right here. Um, it's a six to one spot size, and it shows right on the side of it, okay? That the further you get away from that side of this thing, the bigger that area becomes. At six inches, this thing measures a one inch circle. At 12 inches, it's two inches. At 18 inches, it's three inches. At 24 inches, two feet away, it's measuring or averaging a four inch diameter circle. That's about the size of a register, 12 feet up in the ceiling. 
four inches by 10 or eight inches. So you gotta be within two feet with this thing to get a relatively accurate temperature reading of the grill, not of the air. There are other devices, um, mini thermal anemometers that will measure wind speed, volume flow, um, and temperature measurement of air. And anyway, so we'll move on. But infrared cameras don't see through anything. They only show, number two, they only show surface temperature differentials. The better the camera, the smaller the temperature differential. Well, um, I've heard comments made, any infrared camera will work for home inspectors. Um, any camera is better than no camera, but will, an, can I use a C2 to measure a number 14 wire off a 15 amp breaker? No, you can't. No, you can't. It doesn't measure that small of a temperature. Uh, can I thermally tune the image with a C2 or C3 or an E4 or an E5 to show that it is just the connection and not an overload condition? No, you can't. So uh, if you're asking my opinion, not, not every camera can do everything during a home inspection that a good camera can do. So again, this goes back to what I said earlier. Um, investigating a house from the inside is very different than looking at that same house from the outside. Now that thermal image that I just showed you looking at that home from the outside, I'm gonna go back a couple slides. That grayscale image middle left, okay? The darker cavities is deemed, uh, was, you know, we figured was the insulated or where the insulation was performing properly. And the lighter, whiter, warmer cavities is where there's no insulation or appears to be no insulation. And that heat energy from inside the house is coming outside faster through those cavities that have no insulation. And that's why they look warmer from the, from the outside. So from the outside, black or the darker cavities is insulated and the warmer cavities are uninsulated. If I were to go inside this house at this point in time and look at that wall from the inside, it would completely reverse. Now the insulated areas would appear warmer and the uninsulated areas would appear colder. So you've got to know which way the heat energy is moving through the building components in order, and what kind of temperature difference do I have to have to see this kind of imaging? So the different cameras, some a C2 or E4 doesn't have the thermal sensitivity that an E6 does. It needs a bigger delta T from inside to outside in order to do energy diagnostics. So I would disagree that any camera is a good camera, but there are applications during a home inspection. Any camera can see, um, you know, a radiant heating system in the ceiling. You turn the electric radiant heating on or the in-floor radiant heat. There, I will agree, there are certain applications any infrared camera will see. And there are also applications you can't use a low cost, extremely low cost infrared camera. Um, okay, we already covered this stuff, um, but you have to know how a building is constructed to understand what to expect in the thermal image. So 
And what I mean by that is you travel, I traveled the country doing this, teaching these classes, and you guys are dealing with all kinds of homes across the country. You've got slab on grade, cement block in Florida. You've got slab on grade and crawls and in Florida and in Texas and Louisiana, Michigan, we have basements. In Florida, they call those swimming pools, but in Michigan, we have basements and homeowners love to finish their basements. Um, you know, you got your foundation wall and then they, they put nice, you know, two by four walls and insulation and drywall and carpet and, you know, they make it into a rec room or a family room. You don't have those in certain areas. And there's certain, as you know, that there's certain things you can and cannot do and different types of construction. You've got hundred year old balloon framing. You've got stick built um, uh, on, on platforms. You've got the balloon framing where there is no platform. It, it's, it's, that's why you've got to know what type of construction you're dealing with, you know, so that you know what thermal anomalies should look like or problems would look like. For example, you got a stick built, build the platform, build your two by four walls, stand them up on the walls, okay? You got two by fours on 16 inch on center and you get to the corner, there's more two by fours in the corner and you got headers over doors and headers over windows. Wood doesn't insulate like insulation does, okay? You've got bottom plates and top plates and corner bucks. And these, these are the things that you need to understand are normal and what things should look like and what they shouldn't look like. As I said in this earlier already, and here we are 40 minutes into the presentation already, infrared is not just about taking a picture. You've got to understand emissivity. What is emissivity? It's hard enough to say. It's harder to spell properly and it's even harder to understand the complete concept of emissivity. Emissivity is a measurement of how well a surface can emit or radiate heat energy. Fortunately for home inspectors, most of the surfaces inside a home have a high emissivity and the picture you get and the temperature measurements you're getting without changing anything in your camera are relatively accurate temperatures and a good thermal image. As long as you stay away from shiny metals and you know, you're, you're looking at painted walls, you're looking at carpeting. Most paints have a high emissivity. What is emissivity? Emissivity, I've never heard that before. You've all heard of low E glass. That's what the E stands for in low E glass, a low emissive coating on surface two and surface three in insulated windows. We can look at insulated windows for argon depletion, for air infiltration. When the argon gas has left the space between the two panes of glass and it puts that space under a vacuum and it's trying to pull the two pieces of glass together, but you've got that metal mullion all the way around the perimeter of the glass, keeping the glass evenly spaced. So it pulls on the middle and now you're transferring more energy through the middle of the pane of glass. And it looks, like, I call it the bullseye effect. On a square window, it looks like a bullseye right in the middle of the glass. But you gotta know what conditions are. What is the emissive coating? Is it on the inside? Is it on the outside? Is it between the panes of glass? Emissivity is the single most important concept to get your head wrapped around. Learning how to speak intelligently about what the camera is showing you is absolutely critical and important. I've learned the hard way, and I tell my classes all the time, 
learn from my mistakes. Uh, 34 years, probably 32 years ago, I told a builder in a brand new home, there's no insulation in that cavity. It's here in Michigan, winter time. And I'm telling you, with the with the infrared camera, that cavity, the paint temperatures on the it was it was on its lid. He said, really? He grabbed his hammer and tore the drywall off the wall. I was eating crow because when I tore the drywall off the wall, there's insulation in that cavity. It had been insulated improperly. Instead of stapling the fiberglass to the face of the two by fours, he stapled it to the, or their insulation contractor had stapled it to the inside edge of the two by fours, therefore, thereby creating an airspace between the drywall and the insulation. And that one cavity's insulation wasn't touching the top plate. It was about a half inch short. So the cold was allowed to travel and the heat was allowed to travel freely between the insulation and the drywall. And it rendered that cavity's insulation totally ineffective. And from the inside with the infrared camera, it looked like it was uninsulated, but it was insulated, just insulated improperly. Infrared cameras are about the performance. So all we really knew, all I really knew at that point was that the, if there's any insulation in that cavity, it's not performing as it's designed to perform. And this is what I mean about learning how to speak intelligently about what the camera is showing you. An infrared camera doesn't say it's wet. A moisture meter does. So use the infrared camera to find a thermal anomaly, use a moisture meter to confirm it. You see a breaker looks really warm, but most of you don't use amp meters, but that's the only tool that will tell you that breaker's overloaded. The only tool that would have said, there's no insulation in that cavity would have been a borescope. And unless you work on, you know, uh, into you know, homes on homes, busting holes in the walls and tearing things apart, you're not drilling a hole and sticking a borescope into that cavity to confirm there's no insulation in that wall. So infrared is not a cure-all, do-all, replace-all tool. It's probably the most powerful tool you will ever use in a home inspection. But you've got to learn its limitations and capabilities. This is a video, and I talked about reflection. So while emissivity is the ability of a surface to emit or radiate heat energy. Paint has a great, uh, real high emissivity. So if it has high emissivity, it's a good surface to look at. And then it, that's because it has low reflective properties. If it has low emissivity, like shiny metals, then it has high reflectivity. And those are the problem. And that's why I said five minutes ago, stay away from shiny metals. I had a Home inspector posted a picture on one of the social media sites and he was asking for help. And he said, why would I have, and he showed the thermal image, why would I have a hot spot in the bus bar away from all of the connections, just right in the middle of the bus bar? And when I looked at the thermal image, you could tell that was his forehead reflecting off of the bus bar because he was standing right in front of it. So as thermographers, as home inspectors, when you pick up an infrared camera and you're doing your inspection on your house, if it's a focusable camera, obviously the first thing you gotta do is focus it. But if you find a thermal anomaly, the very first thing you need to do is rule out the possibility 
that that thermal anomaly, that thermal difference, that weird looking hot spot, cold spot, whatever it is, isn't just a reflection. And we do that by moving, okay? This is a little video clip that I'm gonna click on. The, hopefully it works, there it goes. And all I'm gonna do is shift my weight from my right foot to my left foot. I'm standing in front of a 480 volt electrical panel. It's all shiny metals. And you can see that as I shift my weight left and right, the thermal image changes. And because areas heat up and cool down as I move, because they're cooling down and not staying hot, I know that that thermal anomaly is just reflective problems or reflectivity of that shiny metal. If I had moved like that at one of those lugs, and these are the lugs right here, one, two, three, four, five, six, and there's more across the bottom, one here, one here. If as I was moving left and right, one of those lugs stayed warm, no matter what angle I looked at it, now you've got a true hot spot. Now you've got a true thermal anomaly. And now I'm going to investigate it further. Um, Two more questions real quick. Does my E6 meet the requirement? In my opinion, the E6 is, um, is a great camera for starting doing home inspections, um, E6 or better. As long as you're within, let's say a foot to 10 feet, 12 feet, not long distance, not to take the E6 outside and look at a second or third story stucco from 30, 40, 50 feet away. That camera is not designed. Those wide angle lenses are not designed for long distance imaging. And because it's not a focusable lens, it's a fixed focus, not autofocus, it's fixed. There's no focus adjustment. You start getting more than 10 feet away, things start to look a little blurry. And that's because of you can't focus the camera. So it's tuned or tweaked to you know, for closer up imaging. And while I read this next question, I'll just play that video so you guys can watch it. I have an E8, what's your opinion on it? <laughs> Better than the E6? Um, it's, the E8 is a great camera for inside the house. It's a 320 by 240, uh, 0.06 if it's more than a couple years old, 0 0.05 if it's uh, within the last two years. They re-released the E8 to the E8 XT. And the XT stands for extended temperature range. That gives you uh, the ability to measure surface temperatures. Used to only go to, I think, to 450 degrees. Now it goes to 1,022 degrees. You can measure surface temperatures. But quite honestly, if you find a connection issue or something over 450 degrees, um, run. Um, what the minimum investment for a thermal camera just to start and add to my inspection business, as I said, in my opinion, I would, I would do the C5 at 700 bucks or 699.99. Um, and we do have training packages, as I said, and it, it's a camera, it's a, it's an entry level camera. Um, if you're looking for a camera that you're going to buy and be able to keep and use for eight years, 10 years, then, then get the E6, get the E8. You know, make an investment, eight, you know, two to three grand or more, depending on, and that's what I can explain later in the in the training or in the exhibitor vendor hall area.
uh, have a C5 limitations on that C5? Well, um, a distance is a big one. It's got a, a wide field of view. So again, it's from a foot to you know, 10, 12 feet. So inside a house, it's fine. Uh, it's a 160 by 120. So there's 19,200 pixels. Um, its thermal sensitivity is 0 0.07. So it's got good thermal sensitivity, even better than the, e, uh, the C2 and the C3. Um, so on paper, it's, um, it's got very good specs, meaning you know that 160 by 120 and the 0 0.07. Um, but the E5 also has a, a 160 by 120. And, and that's a, that's, we'll leave that for another discussion, but all 160 by 120s are not equal. Um, the size, the pixel pips, the size of the pixels and all that, I, I can't, I don't have time to get into it. Uh, one, last question before I'll move on. Um, is the FLIR TG267 okay to use? Uh, the T, temp TG, I, I don't know what they're, they really mean the TG stands for, but I can tell you what I've called it. The TG stands for temperature gun. Um, I have the TG165 and it is actually two technologies. So it's a qualitative imager. It doesn't do temperature measurement. And then it's a temperature gun, both built into one device. So they overlay with graphics, the temperature reading on the thermal image. Um, the screen's smaller. Look at those pixel count. Look at that pixel count. Look at the thermal set. Depends what you're using. Is it a good one? It depends what you're using it for. So one, all right, the questions are just flying. As a new inspector looking to get into infrared, do I take your class or InterNACHI's or both? Or are they interchangeable? So um, InterNACHI has a great um, self-paced webinar or tutorial, whatever you want to call it. Um, a lot of guys tell me that they don't get from recorded training what they get from live training. And that's the big difference um, and why we partnered with Internet. It's, it's a great starting point. Um, do I need to come to the, to the CRT? I would highly recommend it because we get your questions answered and we cover a whole lot more. In a, and it is two days, 16 hours of live training. So you're going to get a lot more from my CRT class um, than a recorded session. But all right. Why do we find water inside a house? And it's because you got to, again, you got to know the conditions of the house you're dealing with. Um, you have the, the reason we're finding water inside a building is because of the evaporative cooling effect. Um, evaporation, as water evaporates, it cools that surface off. Am I going to have be able to find that wet component 365 days a year, 24 hours a day in every condition in, inside of a home? And the answer to that is not always. I'll give you a short, you know, I know you're telling another story, really. But we learn by past experiences from other home inspectors. And a guy called me and said, you told me I should be able to find water with my I-7. Um, I'm at a condo right now on the beach in southern Florida that faces the Atlantic Ocean. And I'm here because they called me 
Last night during the showing, someone left the sliding glass door open. And overnight, there were torrential waters off the ocean, or torrential rain, and flooded this condo. They called me this morning to come out and show them how much of it got wet. And I'm here now, and I can't see anything. No, the wet, the dry, nothing. Everything is the same temperature. He said, I've tested the carpet here, and I've tested the carpet here. Go squish over here and dry over here, but the infrared camera sees nothing. And I said, well, that doesn't make any sense. What's the temperature and relative humidity inside there? Oh, this is Southern Florida in the summertime. It's gotta be 90 degrees in here with 90% plus relative humidity. And I said, that's why. The water's not evaporating. The evaporation causes the evaporative cooling effect, causes the water to be a cooler temperature than the dry components. So if you, don't, if you have too high of a humidity, you're not gonna have the evaporative cooling effect. Now, sometimes you have, you know, what if it's an occupied home, meaning people are living in it and condition, you know, conditioning the space, either heating it or air conditioning, they probably got the relative humidity is plenty low enough. But you guys are also inspecting vacant property. So it's important to know what is, you know, what are the conditions needed to do this inspection? Uh, okay, let's move on to the next one. This one, this picture right here speaks volumes for what you guys do as an inspector. I know I'm going to be selling my house here in Michigan in the next couple of years, and I'm going to want to get as much as I can for it, just like I would say a majority of home owners. And I'm going to stage the house. I'm going to clean it up. I'm going to paint it up, vacuum it, do, you know, declutter and all the other, you know, things that people do to make the house look better. And when you look at this picture right now with your eyes, it's, it, you know, as a home inspector going into this bedroom and you see there is an outlet in the corner. Yes, I'm going to get down with an out, my outlet tester. I'm going to plug it into there. And maybe if you've gotten down on one knee to do that and then you stood up and you went, what the heck? My knee is wet. You would have then found the thermal anomaly without an infrared camera. But with realistically, without an infrared camera, you're not going to see this. And, you know, and I had a guy stand up in class years ago and he said, yes, but it's not our responsibility to find hidden moisture or hidden problems. You know, it's what we do as a, a home inspector is a visual, non-invasive, non-destructive evaluation of the property under the conditions as found the day of that inspection. That's exactly what infrared is. The only word in that statement that you've got to change is it's not visual, it's an infrared evaluation, non-destructive, non-invasive evaluation of the conditions as found the day of the inspection. So, all right, yes, it's, you're not responsible for finding hidden moisture. So you don't use an infrared camera. You don't find this hidden moisture. Your client buys this house. A month later decides they don't like the carpet and they call somebody come in and replace the carpet and pad and he gets a carpet and pad up and says, uh, ma'am, your subfloor is all wet. Who do you think they're gonna call? They're gonna wanna know why you didn't find that. Now you get to explain to them how well, I'm not responsible for it. You get my point, okay? You're doing a more thorough, you're finding the things that will save those heartaches, will save those phone calls. This happened to be and this is that wall on the left is a common wall between the bedroom and the bathroom. 
So you got the same air temperature in both rooms. There's no reason for there to be a thermal difference in that wall, but yet there is. And you can see it right here, okay, on the left image. It ended up being the drain line in the sink in the bathroom, and it was leaking and it came under the wall. And when they had all the boxes and stuff stacked up in the corner, it pushed the carpet and pad down into the wet subfloor. So when they staged this house and they cleaned it up, and I could, you know, you go in there with the infrared camera, that's why you're seeing it. But my point is, you guys also do rentals. And I've seen the pictures on social media. You know, renters don't typically clean anything up for you to come do an inspection. I've seen the pictures of the garage with 137 boxes and the power panel sticking out the top of the pile, you know, in the back. And there's no way you're getting to that. If they hadn't cleaned this up, you would not have seen this thermal difference because there's boxes piled up in the corner. You don't move furniture. You don't move dressers. You don't move beds. You don't move couches. You have verbiage in your contracts that says, you know, it's, I can't inspect the areas that are not visible. That's the same thing with an infrared camera. If I can't see it with the infrared camera, I can't inspect it. So same thing. This one right here, again, uh, this is this home is less than two years old. And I, you know, I tell these stories, we go through all of the conditions needed, but I'm teaching a bunch of guys how to do energy inspections. And we're, this home is less than probably a 700, $800,000, 4,000 square foot ranch. That wall right there behind, you see the picture in the picture, the thermal anomaly in the middle, that's because of water in the open cell foam within the wall. That water got into there from an ice dam on the, on the roof. And there, the, the reason you would not have seen this without an infrared camera, you would not have put your moisture meter, you don't slide it on every square inch of the walls, ceilings and floors. There was absolutely no visual sign. There's no wrinkle in the paint, there's no stain. It doesn't look any different than the walls around that you can see visually. And there was no visual indication. So there's no reason you would have walked over there. There is now with an infrared camera, you see that, you go, what the heck is that? I walked over without, it was one of those moments I wanted to go, holy cow, look at that. I walked over and I don't go into a house without a moisture meter in my back pocket. I walked over and I put the moisture meter here and I took a reading. And then I put the moisture meter here and it pegged my moisture meter. Now I know what that thermal anomaly is. And that's, that's the biggest benefit of infrared. You've been in homes like this, your mildew detector, your nose, you walk in, you take a big sniff and you, oh, some fungal growth going on. This is an air conditioner, it's got a fan in it. It draws air in at the bottom, moves that air across a coil and exits the conditioned air out the top. When you move that air across that coil, condensation forms. There's a condensation collection pan in there. It's supposed to drain that outside or into plumbing or whatever. For years of neglect, that condensate, that drain line plugged up and that pan filled up with condensate and overflowed on the floor. Pattern recognition. What I mean by that is the difference between water and energy issues. Water in a horizontal surface, floors and ceilings, 
give, typically gives you the puddle pattern. That edge pattern to water is right here. So notice the puddle in the carpet. That edge pattern to that puddle has no thermal gradient. There's no gradual change in temperature over distance. It's just that sharp edge, okay? And that's my indication that that's probably water. I can't say it's water until I walk over there with my moisture meter and confirm it. But look at the side of the air conditioner. And there's a huge thermal gradient, even though it's in the grayscale, from the cold air coming out the top of the air conditioner to the air going in at the bottom, there's a huge temperature difference between here and down here, but there's no edge line. This is typical of energy issues. And th the better the camera is, the more pixels, the better the thermal sensitivity, the easier it's going to be to recognize that pattern recognition, that edge pattern to the water versus the energy issues. Vertical walls. Under the window, you can see in the wall, with, you know, you can even see the, the drops of water in the vertical blinds. You can see the buckets, okay? Where's it coming from? They, they know they got water problems, but where's it coming from? Well, it appears it's be coming from a window. But that's where it shows up with the infrared camera. But look at the visual, okay? There's a stain in the ceiling. What they didn't know was that on the left side of that window, they had the same issue, only it wasn't coming out on the floor. So they could have fixed the right side and not actually fixed the problem, okay? Outside of a house, we're typically finding water because of thermal capacitance. Thermal capacitance means the water or anything really, but different materials, thermal capacitance is defined as the ability of a material to store thermal energy. Water has high thermal capacitance. A component or a material that has high thermal capacitance reacts slower to temperature change. So you start heating up the east side of a house with solar loading the sun, the dry components are going to heat up much faster than the wet components because water has a greater thermal capacitance and it takes longer to get the water hot. They're both heating up, but they're heating up at different rates. Eventually, the side of that building is just going to get as hot as it's going to get until that side of the building goes into the shade. And then the side of the building is going to start to cool off. And the dry components, because of the lack of thermal capacitance, they heat it up faster, but now they're going to cool off faster. So there's multiple reasons we can find water from in stucco, in eaves, in uh, flat roof moisture detection, um, rotting wood siding. I mean, it, I'm telling you, there's a ton of stuff we can see. Here's a seven-story stucco building. And this is a point I usually tell people. Um, E6, E8, maybe the garage and the first floor, or you know, the, what is essentially the second floor. But um, the E53, maybe four stories. The E70 or 56, four stories, but the do, five, six, and seven, I've got to have a narrower field of view lens and higher resolution so that those small thermal problems, you know, seven stories is 70 feet tall, but I'm 40 feet away. I mean, that could be 80, 90, 100 feet away. Those small little thermal problems, I need a fine 
narrow field of view lens with good pixel count to see these little thermal anomalies, as you can see where the water gets in there. Right camera for the right job. And there, there's a, another, and guys, it, people ask me all the time, what's a good moisture meter? X-Tech, clear, protimeter. There's, if it works good for you and you like it, then it's a good one. Um, there's so many of them out there. The price from $100 uh, on a contractor grade to $700, $1,000. I mean, it's crazy the, the, the choices that you guys have to pick. We talked about insulation in the walls. Energy audits are huge. I'm not going to teach you during class how to be a full-blown energy auditor, but as part of your home inspection, you walk around and you go, doesn't look like these walls are insulated. I would recommend you get an energy audit done on this house. The biggest thing we got to have is temperature difference from inside to out. If I'm using a low cost C2, C3, E4, I better have an 18 degree temperature, 18 to 20 degree temperature difference from one side of the wall to the other side of the wall. If I'm using that E6 or the E8 or better, High, higher, you know, more expensive cameras, then eight or nine degrees is all I have to have. But as I've already explained, don't say there's no insulation in that wall. If you find a void or what appears to be an uninsulated area, that's all you can say. If there's any insulation in there, it's not performing as it's designed to perform. I recommend you get an energy audit. Different anomalies will appear as different image patterns. It does take time and you will make mistakes, hopefully a whole lot less after you go through class. And done, I've made plenty of them, so come and learn from my mistakes. This is a big home in Lansing, Michigan. 100 year old balloon framing. Um, what's, what's insulated? I've had even in class guys say, well, this is uninsulated. And this is insulated. <clears throat> Wrong answer. We're on the outside. It's warmer in the house. It's colder outside. The heat inside the house is going to come through those walls, and it's going to come through those walls faster where there's no insulation. And those are the warm cavities. The cold cavities, where the where the insulation appears to be colder than the two by four. This I'm on the cool side. Properly performing insulation looks cooler than the framing. This is what a properly insulated cavity looks like. Break, voids, not sure what the heck's going on here, but you'll also notice between the first floor and second floor, there's no rim joist, there's no band joist. There's your, you know, 16 foot two by four balloon framing. There's more of it. Look at the soffit vents, they're on fire. They look like they're on fire, okay? Look at the visual pictures, a dormer in the attic. You go up the staircase inside the house and it goes all the way up to the third floor. You get to the top of the stairs, open up a door and you're looking into this really cool 100 year old attic. Not a flake of insulation on the, on the floor or the ceiling of the house. So balloon framing is open cavities. That means all the warm air that they're adding to this house is rising up and going up into the attic. And the young couple that hired me said, 
how can we make this home more energy efficient? I said, the first thing I do is tear up all these boards and I can get those words out of my mouth. And, and he and she said, uh, no, we're not gonna touch these boards. We're gonna use this for storage. And I said, well, get somebody to dense pack that area then. There's nothing there. Well, aren't you gonna see it between the boards? I said, yeah, we're gonna replace the doors and windows and be done with it. I'm like, oh no. I said, so you gotta, we gotta have a little basic understanding of building science. If you've heard of the stack effect, the warm air in the house is rising up and going out into the attic. It's been pulling the fresh air into that house through the windows and doors. These old single pane, double hung windows and doors. Now you're gonna replace all the windows and doors with new airtight windows and doors without stopping the stack effect. Where's it gonna get the air? It's gonna pull it. Remember that musty smell we had in the basement? With that stone foundation, it's gonna be pulling the air from outside through the stones into the basement and pulling that musty smelly air up into the house. So you get my point. Infra no, that's not a scope on a rifle. I know you guys are laughing already, but uh, Robert Dees out of Florida sent me this one. And it, you know, his, he was asking, this attic behind that mount is an attic and there's no access. Do you think there's any insulation in that sidewall? You know, that knee wall, whatever you want to call it. And I said, no. He said, you, you told us never to say there's no insulation. And I said, well, don't tell the client there's none until you do the destructive testing. But it's not that some look insulated and some don't. They all look hot. And if you're in a cool air conditioned home and it's hot in the attic, it's hot outside. So that heat's coming into the house. Again, going back to what I said now an hour ago, the heat energy moves from hot to cold, okay? So we gotta, you gotta know what you're looking at, what you're looking for. This is the kind of stuff you're looking for. Big areas of what appears to be uninsulated. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen this over the years. They replace a light fixture with a ceiling fan, the electrician goes up or the homeowner goes up, to reinforce the box, they pull the insulation back to reinforce the box and they never get the insulation back the way it's supposed to. And we see that all the time. This is a great one. Mark Emery out of Texas sent me this one. Brand new construction, brand new home. The only insulation was under the deck in the attic where they put the mechanical, we don't do that in Michigan. We don't put mechanical systems in attics here in Michigan in cold climates. But in Texas and Florida and Louisiana, they do it all the time. But they never insulated the rest of the house. And the people were now living in it and no insulation in the house. And you guys say, well, yeah, but that's why we're there to do the inspection. I've had guys come through my class, seven-year-old, nine-year-old home, 15-year-old home, 5,000 square foot home in Colorado. The family was losing it to foreclosure. Part of the reason might have been that they're heating and cooling costs. There was no insulation in the house. What things are, all right, am I on the warm side or cold side? I can tell you because here's the cold nails and screws. I'm inside the house and it's cold outside, okay? This is what it should look like. I'm in a warm house, I'm on the warm side. Properly performing insulation looks warmer than the framing member. This is what it should look like. Figure out what side of the wall you're on, the warm side or the cold side, and properly performing insulation 
looks warmer than the framing membrane. But this is what it should not look like. Okay, now this is a Raytheon 225 from, oh my gosh, 15 to 20 years ago. I don't even know, it's, it's a long time ago. And this is before they had image processing software in the cameras to kill the dead pixels. So these little white specks are dead pixels that today your cameras have this image processing software in it that kills those dead pixels, uses surrounding information, does works its magic so that you don't see them. And my point in showing this and talking about it is if this starts to happen to a camera that you own, there's something going on with the detector, okay? Or, and that's why if you buy a new FLIR or have bought a new FLIR in the last 60 days, hopefully you register that camera with FLIR. Register the camera and it extends the warranty from 12 months to 24 months parts and labor and a 10 year detector warranty. So, air infiltration, I gotta pick up the pace. It's already 11.20. Um, so we only got about 20 minutes left. Uh, let's, let's grab a couple questions. Do you calibrate cameras? And what is the turnaround time for calibration? Great question, no. And you cannot calibrate your camera yourself. The only one that can calibrate cameras is the manufacturer. If you call the manufacturers, if you call FLIR, you call Tesla, you call Fluke, you call any of them, they will recalibrate your cameras. You've got to send it back. So a common question is how often should they be calibrating? Those manufacturers will tell you every year, every other year. Um, if you are an expert witness, if you are doing a lot of expert witness and investigations and you spend a lot of time in a courtroom because of litigation, and then absolutely keep your camera calibrated every year. Get it and get that valid calibration certificate. I had a guy in class say, I do infrared inspections, water and mold all the time. I'm only doing qualitative imaging, which means I don't give them any temperature readings. And by the way, Calibration only means that the temperature reading you're getting right here, so that crosshair in the middle, whatever I put that crosshair, that that's the temperature of that surface or approximate temperature of that surface. Calibration only ensures that this is within the plus or minus 2%, okay, that it's relatively accurate. It doesn't fix images, okay? That's, you know, it doesn't, calibration doesn't change what the image looks like. It just ensures that your temperature measurements are relatively accurate. Most of the applications for home inspectors are qualitative. And what that means is you don't need a crosshair to find water, to find energy, to find the electrical hotspot, to find anything with an infrared camera. That's qualitative. Knowing how hot it is, is quantitative. Or knowing how cold it is in the freezer. Okay, actually assigning temperature measurement, you know, then we want to quantify. But most of the stuff you're doing, calibration doesn't mean anything. Should you have a camera before taking your class? If you know, you don't have to. I, a lot of guys come to class to learn so that they make an educated decision on what camera will best suit their needs. All right. 
here's that contractor going back to fix that house. That house I showed you in the opening slide, the thermal image, was a weatherization home in Columbus, Ohio. The weatherization agency hired a contractor to come in and drill and blow cellulose. That infrared image that you see on the right was after he was there. This is him coming back on the left. The visual picture on the left is him having to come back and drill holes into all of the voids where they didn't insulate it the first time out. Now they're losing money. So this is another application, you know, working with weatherization agencies, working with builders, the new 2017 building, national building code. All homes are supposed to have blower door tests done. We can do infrared and blower door to find out where a house is losing or you know, air infiltration and exfiltration. And there's some air infiltration on the right. That's uh, uh, attic access and the cold air coming in. Here's leaking ductwork, a leaking the hot air from a garage coming in around a door. Uninsulated foundation, uninsulated banjoys, hot spots. This ended up, this one right here ended up being, they had the heat register in the outside wall. They had the vents closed. So it's like blowing in the end of the bottle. The air was just leaking out, wasn't coming into the room. It was just leaking out into the wall cavity and caused that hot spot. Who puts the heat register on an outside wall? Um, but anyway, uninsulated banjoys, as you can see. It just, it's incredible. But the only tool that says there's no insulation in there is a borescope to confirm that it's empty. An infrared camera doesn't say there's no insulation. It shows you a thermal anomaly. Appliances, I got to pick up the pace. It's 1120. Water heater, shiny copper pipe. Most accurate way to get a temperature reading off a of shiny copper. Put a piece of electrical tape on it. I sell this on my website. I'm teasing. I don't sell electrical tape. Run to Home Depot, run to Lowe's, buy a roll of Scotch brand 33 plus electrical tape. And the reason I'm being so specific is for 25 plus years, we've been teaching people in level one and level two, this is the material used when doing emissivity measurements or temperature measurements. This is a known emissivity of 0.95. Your camera right out of the box from any of the manufacturers had an emissivity value set at 0.95. That means if I measure the temperature of this tape without changing anything in my camera, I'm going to be within tenths of a degree of that plus or minus 2%. You know what? I need to go back a couple slides because of the uh, safety issue. I'm not a ladder expert, but uh, I promised everybody, um, it happened to me about 17 years ago. Um, I've heard of the three-point ladder rule when, work, when climbing or working on a ladder, keep three of your four appendages, you have two hands and two feet, keep three of those four in contact with the ladder at all times, not three on everything else and one on the ladder. So that's an unsafe practice. The second one, is I told you before that when you find a thermal anomaly with an infrared camera, the first thing you need to do is rule out the possibility that that is not a reflection. 
If it's a reflection, then you're just going to move on. And we rule out the possibility it's a reflection by looking at it from another angle. Moving. And I'll tell you, there's an inherent danger when using an infrared camera. And I appreciate you all coming, but you need to hear this and please live by it. This will keep you safe. If you're looking through your infrared camera, don't move your feet because you're going to do this. You're going to be looking through your camera. Oh, look at that. And you're going to start moving around while you're looking through your camera. And you're not going to be watching where your feet are going. Our industry has had guys back up into high voltage electrical panels and get killed. Paul Grover, the founder of the Infrospection Institute, told the story how he walked off of a roof at night doing a roof moisture analysis with a Hughes probot. I came two inches from stepping off a flat roof. The only thing that kept me from walking over was my heel on the edge of the, my toes went over. And it was 20 feet to the next elevation. I wasn't feeling for roof's edge. I didn't know I was that close to roof's edge. So please, one simple rule of thumb. If you're looking through your camera, don't move your feet. If you're gonna need to move your feet, don't be looking through the camera. Watch where your feet are going, plant your feet, and then bring the camera back up. Okay, I, I did my two-minute safety speech, so I'll move on. Water heater, water temperatures, gas-fired appliances, refrigerators. Um, you know, I had a guy tell me, I tried using my temperature gun to measure the refrigerator. I was getting 54 degrees. And he said, I know it was colder than that in there. So when I took the thermal image, as you see on the left of this refrigerator, I got so close with my infrared camera that the entire thermal image is nothing but the inside of that refrigerator. Your cameras will automatically set this scale on the right to what it sees as the minimum temperature and the maximum temperature approximate numbers within the field of view. So there is something in that refrigerator up around 54 or 55 degrees. And there is something in that refrigerator around under freezing, 28, 29 degrees. But one quick squeeze of the trigger, a clear cameras automatically took both of these pictures, saves them simultaneously together on the camera. But with one quick squeeze of the trigger, trigger I've verified that that refrigerator was working fine. And if you look on page 33 of the report, ma'am, you'll see the refrigerator was plenty cold enough when I was there. You've heard the stories. Gradient heating system. That's what it's supposed to look like on the left. In the north, snow melt system, like the car wash I was talking to you earlier about. This, you know, when people have more money than they know what to do with, they put radiant heating systems in their driveways and sidewalks. And, they don't have to shovel the snow. It just keeps the concrete or the asphalt above 32 degrees and the snow just melts and runs off. We have an outdoor mall here in Michigan. The entire, it's a, you walk outside from store to store, it's all pavers and they're all radiant heating so that they never have to shovel any snow. Electrical, no abnormal heating. This is an occupied home with things running that's what you should be seeing, okay? 
there's stuff in the house running, people living there, stuff, you know, there's no thermal anomaly. And I always tell guys, don't put your thermal blinders on. Don't just look at it. I know you're taking the covers off for a visual inspection. Look for visual thermal anomalies. Wait a minute. Thermal anomalies are found with an infrared camera. Sometimes they're not. And what I mean by that is sometimes, and Bo Passon, another home inspector out of Florida, sent me a picture of insulation melted off, cooked off a, at the lug next to a breaker, two, three inches away from the wire. And the, the wires all melted and, and the insulation's all cooked and baked off. I said, that's a great picture, Bo. Where's the thermal? He said, there was no load at the time of the inspection and I couldn't turn anything on. So the infrared camera saw nothing. And that's a thermal anomaly. That insulation cooked off because that connection had load on it and it was got so hot that it melted it. But at the time of the inspection, no thermal anomaly was found that indicated a thermal problem. This is the kind of verbiage you need to put in your contracts. And I'll share these documents with you. They are, um, I have a, a home inspector to realtor, PowerPoint presentation, limits of liability, and um, actually an infrared contract for a home inspector to give to the client. So these are, you know, come to class and, and this is the kind of stuff that we're there to help you be successful using infrared. The breaker looks fine. The wire looks fine, but look at the space between the two breakers, okay? That hot spot in the middle, okay? There's the feed you saw on the opening slide. Now we're gonna quantify it. At what point is it a critical hotspot? Okay, I got 347 degrees on the hot connection. And this is thanks to BJ Johnson out of uh, Jacksonville, Florida. 347 degrees on the hot one and 135 degrees on the cooler one. So there's a 212 degree temperature difference between the two connections. That was critical 150 degrees ago, okay? it's it's. It's critical, call the utility, get them out there. How do I know this is a problem? Whether this is a C2, see the size of the reticle, the circle in the middle for temperature readings? It's bigger than the wire coming off of that fuse on the left or right side. The objects you're measuring has to be bigger than that circle because unlike a temperature gun that only gives you the little red dot, your infrared cameras give you the entire area. So you've got to make sure the spot you're measuring is bigger than that circle so that you're getting a relatively accurate temperature reading. But because one phase is warmer and one end of the fuse is warmer, that's an issue I'm going to write up every time, regardless of how hot it is. Critters, bees nest. Look at the with the fascia board in place in the upper left, he said the little black dot, and thanks to uh, Dale Richter, um, name of his company is the Buzz Fuzz, or B, it used to be Bees Be Gone, now it's the Buzz Fuzz. Great guy, he's got an E8, and these are images with his E8. Um, from the outside, you can see the hole where the bees were coming and going. There's the thermal anomaly with the fascia board in place. Then they remove the fascia board. There's the visual of the hive inside the wall and the thermal of the hive. Look, the background temperature, 64, say around 65 degrees, and we got a 
high temperature reading of 103, almost a 40 degree delta T or difference in temperature from the background. Any, if I'm looking at that with a C2, I'm gonna see that with the face to board removed. So you gotta learn what the capabilities of your camera are, what camera you have and what can it do. Bow passing again. This is behind that three inch, three eighths inch thick brick veneer. And he ended up, he said the hole they had drilled for the cable was three times the size of the cable going in with no cock. And he's looking at it, shaking his head, sees that stain as a bee comes flying out of it. Grabs his infrared, his E8, squeezes the trigger. And as he does, he caught a bee in midair. That's that little hot spot you see in the upper left quadrant of the thermal image. Here's that melted siding on that house in the Detroit area. And, it, and the, the culprit was the next door neighbor's second floor window. As you can see, we measured, or he measured, roughly or approximately, and that's what the tilde symbol means, approximately 198 degrees on the vinyl siding in the shade. And there's the culprit in the second floor window. My pet is trained. Uh, not, okay. I've got it bad. And I tell everybody in Monday comes that every, anybody I talk to, I'm one of the guys that brings an infrared camera on vacation with it, okay. I've got pictures of Mount Rushmore and the Arches of St. Louis and the uh, Blue Angels. And um, Nathan Thornberry had his conference a few years ago. And, you know, I bring anyway at the Peabody. And, oh, yeah, there it is right here. Um, when I, they have the walk of the ducks, okay? So in the morning, they have these ducks on the roof that live on the roof. And every morning, the duck master brings the ducks down on an elevator and escorts them through a car, on a carpeted walkway to a fountain in the lobby. And it's a big deal. People line up behind the ropes and they watch the ducks come and go. And, you know, I think the adults use it as a reason to have a drink later, <laughs> an adult beverage later in the day. But, um, and I heard this was happening. I went and grabbed my infrared camera. And here is, hopefully it's working. Oh, it's a video and it's not, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's a video, you can see it. And I don't have it linked to the video file, but it shows the ducks waddling by, rang, 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 you know, as they walk by. So, um, and I talk like this for two days in class. We learn a lot. If you are interested, I'm going to, it's now 11.32. So we've got about eight minutes left. Um, as you can see, there's a lot of value in what an infrared camera can do as part of your home inspections. It shows you things you cannot see with your eyes. And, you know, here's some, here's some additional information. So if, if you've got any additional questions, go ahead and type them in and I'll keep talking. But um, some of the questions I've asked, guys that use infrared cameras on every home inspection that they do, I asked them, I said, so what percentage of the time would you say you're finding thermal problems, thermal anomalies that end up in the report? And he thought for a minute and he goes, probably about 20% of the time. So one out of five, two out of 10, we'll find something to report. I said, you promote infrared 
in your literature and in your, you know, and he said, yes, I do. I said, when you don't find a thermal anomaly, do you put any sample images in the report? He said, absolutely. Every one of them gets a thermal image of the electrical panel, the refrigerators, the, you know, those appliances, the electric range, turn all four of them on. Instead of having to wait two minutes to see them glowing, one quick squeeze of the trigger and I document all four coils got warm in a matter of seconds. How long, here's some another question. How long does it take or how much time will it add to a home inspection? Once you know what to look for, what you're looking at, most guys tell me it won't add 20 minutes. Some say in many applications, it shortens the time, but it won't add 15 to 20 minutes to most home inspections. Um, all right, I'm reading the chats. Let's see, from Brenda to everyone, please don't forget to take the class evaluation survey that you will receive after the class. Uh, there's a raffle at three o'clock. Um, I included the link in this chat box at the beginning of the class. And another question is, will it pick up termites? Um, I wouldn't, um, yes, and maybe. Um, <laughs> That I wouldn't use a C2 to do that, but I have great data and great pictures of finding the subterranean termites on the backside of paneling, um, or they've eaten the paint in a door jam. They now they've eaten the wood behind the paint in a door jam right to the paint, and you can see that with the infrared camera. Um, I want to thank Richard Lopez. Great intro. Learned so much. I need the link for the raffle. Uh, I think she said it's in, in the beginning. I took my E8 to Yosemite, the coolest thing ever. I found termites with my E8. I would love to have those pictures in your name, Deborah. I'll put it uh, in, my, in my PowerPoint for my CRT class. Um, can you post the link again? I was a little late. Uh, what's the schedule for training? Almost every week, go to, go to that website right there, monroeinfrared.com forward slash training if you want, or just go to the, the main page, click on the training link and look for that CRT logo in there. The Zoom schedules uh, is almost every week. I'm not doing one next week, but the following week and throughout, you know, until things get back to somewhat normal with COVID, um, I'm going to keep on trucking with the with the CRT class using Zoom. You know, as I started out by saying, you know, I would. I, when are you going to do this online? I said never. Never arrived in April. When things do get back to normal, Zoom's not going away, guys. I love this teaching. Being able to walk downstairs into my basement, into my studio, if you will, and spend the eight hours with you and get done and go upstairs and have dinner. I had people from seven time zones that you don't have to wait for me to travel to your area and in many ways the feedback that you'll read on our website in that CRT group section in many ways they thought this the zoom class was better than an attending class the the oh it is the same class the only thing you don't get is I normally bring cameras to each of the classes that you can pick up and use okay but other than that, it's the same, and it's CE, 16 CEs, 16 for the other 
association. I won't mention here. Um, 16 to Priya. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, 16 state of New York. Uh, almost every licensed state in the country approved our CRT class for continuing education units uh, for the Zoom class. There's, I mean, obviously with the attending class, but now I've approved it for the Zoom class. So let's see if there's any other questions real quick. Oh, ah, oh, shoot. Shoot, shoot, shoot. I rolled one screen too far and stopped my share. And okay, here they are. Uh, excellent presentation. What's the schedule? I read that one. Uh, I would like to take your classes. Is a CRT level one? So no. Level one is four days, okay? And it's $1,500 to $2,000. The CRT class is two days. It's a great starting point, okay? I designed this class for the home inspector that wants to use an infrared camera as part of a home inspection. I feel, and my goal is, I feel it's the only training a home inspector needs to use an infrared camera as part of their home inspection. Some guys want to know more. If you want to do the level one after you do our class, 300 of what you pay to come to our class will be applied to the level one. 